0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. What is not unique is that we were all oppressed. What is not unique is that we were all bound. What is not unique is that we were all hopeless and helpless apart from the intervention, the saving intervention of Jesus. Look, as we have seen in this series, we encounter Jesus and we are saved by Jesus in a radical, transforming way. Our sins were covered. Our debts were paid. Our chains were broken. Our standing before God was secured. Hope in God, oh my soul.
1: Think of all the things that it takes to qualify for a loan. You need to have good credit and have proof of who you are and where you live, who your dependents are, etc. There's paperwork and some red tape that you have to cut through to get qualified. What do you think it takes to qualify for the kind of witness that God wants you to be? Pastor Ricky informs you today that it's simpler than you might think. The typical resume that the world requires is inconsequential as a Christian witness. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he begins his message, Witnesses.
0: We started our series, we're ending it where it began. We started our series with Acts 1.8, which says this, from Jesus to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So that gospel renewal that we long to see, we are participants in that mission by witnessing. We're going to walk through an example today of an unlikely convert who becomes an unlikely witness for Jesus. And through that story, I want you to be encouraged that whether or not you walked in excited to hear about being a witness or like I used to be, if you walked in and heard, we're gonna talk about witnessing, evangelism, sharing your faith, there's a part of you that just like shrinks down and is like, okay, don't look at anyone. Try not to, like, just get through the service. I don't like the, I like the encouraging God loves you messages, not the let's go talk to people about Jesus and be socially awkward messages. And if you're there, I was there. I have been there. I'm still there. And yet the Lord says that those people, even those people, those unlikely converts can make the best witnesses. So first question we're gonna ask today, how do we become witnesses? Think about this, what are the qualifications for being a good witness for Jesus? If Jesus called us in for interviews as Christians and said, all right, well, listen, I'm looking for some witnesses. You got a big mission, I need the best of the best. And so I want some folks that are gonna take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Often, here's what I would think Jesus is looking for. He's looking for outgoing people, bold people, charming people, smart people, compelling people. And if you don't have those qualifications, you think, okay, then that's just not for me, right? That's what we would assume. And yet this story we're about to read lays out an entirely different paradigm, an entirely different set of qualifications that I think you may be surprised who ends up being qualified to being a witness. So how do you become a witness? First step, you need Jesus. We're going to see a man who needs Jesus in Mark 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit Just for context, this guy is going to be the guy Jesus picks to be a witness. Why? Well, first thing about him is he needs Jesus. Now, this guy needs Jesus in unique and particular ways. He's under a unique demonic oppression that really does seem like singular in the testimony of the scriptures. This is unique. And yet there are parts of his story that are not unique at all. This man is under oppression We were all under spiritual oppression. We were all enslaved and shackled by our sin. We were all uh, finding ourselves desperate and hopeless, and yet, that's exactly the starting point for being a witness. We needed Jesus. Second, we encountered Jesus. Verse six, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. So Jesus gets off the boat, somehow, miraculously, right near where this man happens to be going crazy, and he encounters Jesus. Now, you have to know this about this man and this encounter. Jesus planned this. This wasn't a happenstance encounter, like, oh, we're stepping off the boat, there just happens to be a demoniac here. No, Mark 4.35 says this, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, Jesus has no reason to say this. The other side is not Jewish. The other side of the lake is Gentile. The other side is full of, as we'll see, pig farmers. So it's the last place a good Jewish teacher and his Jewish disciples would think, let's go there and check in and get a cup of coffee. Nobody is doing that. The disciples are thinking, Look, I know Jesus is weird, but this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Let's go visit the pig farmers, okay? Right, why did Jesus do that? To find this man, right? He went looking for this man as he says, I've come to seek and save the lost. Verse seven says, and crying out with a loud voice, the demoniac said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Whether it's through something or the demonic oppression, this man knows who Jesus is. He encounters Jesus. Next, he experiences salvation. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, verse 8, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, again, this man's salvation was unique. Right? None of us, I don't think, I'm unaware of anyone in the church that had 2,000 demons in them uh, oppressing them before Christ. Right, That's unique. But what is not unique is that we were all oppressed. What is not unique is that we were all bound. What is not unique is that we were all hopeless and helpless apart from the intervention, the saving intervention of Jesus. And look, as we have seen in this series, we encounter Jesus and we are saved by Jesus in a radical, transforming way. Our sins were covered. Our debts were paid. Our chains were broken. Our standing before God was secured. Our reconciliation to God was complete. Our adoption by God was accomplished all by the saving work of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Look, this man is gonna be qualified as a witness not in spite of the things he has experienced, but in many ways, because of the things he has experienced. This salvation that marks him, will not just mark him as a disciple of Jesus, but will mark him out and set him apart to be a witness. Now, there's one other aspect of this that we as Christians need that is not explicit here, but I believe we need to pull in from Acts 1.8, this text we just read that says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the other aspect that's not clear in Mark 5 that is clear for each of us is that not only are we recipients of salvation, we are also recipients of the Spirit. That in addition to what the Lord has done in us in terms of salvation, we also have been given an additional gift as if it's not good enough. We've been given the gift of the Spirit specifically to empower us to be His witnesses. And I don't know about you, but when I think about being a witness, I think, okay, well, here's the bar that it takes to be a witness. Here's my power. If it takes 100 points of power, I'm at level, maybe you're doing well, 70. I'm at 50. I'm at 20. I'm at three. I'm at negative one, right? Something like that. And you think, well, I don't have enough power to be a witness. That's why Jesus sends the spirit. It's not how much power we have. It's it's our weakness met by the strength and power of the spirit. So then we are turned into witnesses. So again, what qualifies us to be witnesses? If Jesus called us into his office and was reviewing the qualifications for being a witness, it would not be good, the smartest, most charismatic, most bold people. It would be, did you need Jesus? Did you encounter Jesus? Did you experience the salvation of Jesus? Did you get the gift of the spirit? Well, perfect, you're qualified. Right. If you are fearful today, thinking about being a witness, I hope that encourages you. Or if you're like me and you're thinking, I'd really like to find an excuse to get out of this thing, you can't get out. Look, if you've experienced the salvation of Jesus, you are a witness. Second question, what then does it mean to be a witness? Mark 5, we see a little bit in this story. Mark 5 As Jesus was getting, at verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I mean, what a, I love how Mark writes this. The man who had been possessed is now begging to be with Jesus. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. On you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, we see two things in this man's story we declare and we demonstrate. Witnesses declare, witnesses demonstrate. First, witnesses declare. Jesus tells them, Tell your friends what? How much the Lord has done for you. For you, sometimes we think of the gospel as almost like this little packet of information we're to deliver to people because it's a, you know it's good information to have. Like when you see somebody out that's like handing out flyers for like you should get a flu shot or you know we should conserve this trail or whatever, you're like oh, okay thanks I appreciate the you know throw in the trash. We think, okay, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus is asking him to communicate. He's asking him to communicate how much the Lord has done for you. He says, tell your story of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. We declare but we also then demonstrate. This man was a unique witness because his very life was a demonstration of the message he is proclaiming. The message he's proclaiming is, Jesus can save anyone, exhibit A, me. You may remember me from my appearances on the hills, crying out in the middle of the night, among the graveyard, screaming, breaking free of chains. You remember me? Well, he helped me, he can help you. His life demonstrates this. Verse 14, back up and says this, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what it was that had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Right, The change in this man is so obvious and palpable that it is a demonstration of the very thing he is proclaiming. His life is different. Now, here's the reality. I don't know your story as a Christian. Perhaps you had a dramatic conversion. Perhaps one day to the next, you were a drug addict and then saved and delivered. Perhaps one day you were destroying your marriage and you were saved and your spouse was amazed. If that is you... What we do as Christians sometimes is we like hide that part of our story and are like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Now I'm a good person. No, no, no. That thing that the Lord saved you from is the very thing that demonstrates the reality of the message you're proclaiming, those hard parts of your life. But maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and God saved you from being, frankly, like a self-righteous little kid. You know that would have been a jerk if allowed to continue and the Lord saved you or the Lord in your life, that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel has made the difference in your marriage or in your parenting or in some other aspect of your life, that you are different because of what Jesus has done. In that way as well, you demonstrate who the Lord is. And obviously, we wanna do a good job of demonstrating who the Lord is. So that's what it means to be a witness. A third section Let's dig into this just a little bit more. What do witnesses declare then? So if we are to declare, let's, let's dig into this just a little bit more. I just wanna say upfront, it is important that we declare. There's often this like big, cool meme that goes around in Christian circles that says, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. And it's often incorrectly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, he never said that. And so he said other things, none of them were that. And so I don't know where this came from, And I get it and understand the sentiment. The first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to be so obvious in my proclamation that no words are even needed, you know? And yet the word gospel itself means good news. So if you show up with the best news in the world and try to wave your hands excitedly until people get the idea, it's not going to work. Right now, if you're not excited at all and it's really good news, then something else is off there. But if you just show up and your family and you, you text your wife, I have the best news ever, and you go home and you open the door and your kids are there like, what's the news? And you just are dancing and you never stop dancing and you just go and eat dinner and go to bed. Be like, what is the news though? Like what, what why are you so excited? We must declare it. So what do we declare? Well, first we declare who Jesus is. We declare that he is the Son of God, fully God and fully man, who has come to earth to save us. We should strive to understand who Jesus is so that we can declare him faithfully. But if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even understand the workings of the incarnation. That seems like such a mystery to me. And I'm not going to declare anything until I know the intricacies of the incarnation. No, 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 This man, he didn't take a whole class on who Jesus was. He experienced who Jesus was. He knew he was the son of God, so that's what he went with. So whatever your level of knowledge about who Jesus is, that's what we're to communicate to others and keep growing in that knowledge. Next, witnesses declare what Jesus has done. Listen, church, it's so important to remember we're not just proclaiming a good example or a good teacher. We are proclaiming a savior, So we must also declare what Jesus has done for us and could do for them. We must be getting better and better and growing more and more in our knowledge of the gospel and understanding of the gospel. We should wanna get that right, to understand who are we, who is God, what does salvation mean, what are these big words in the New Testament like justification or reconciliation or adoption or propitiation, right? We should wanna understand those things and yet, if you don't understand all those things yet, but you understand I'm a sinner, Jesus saved me, like you can get in on this, go with that. Right? That's what this man has going for him. Like he doesn't take a class on the substitutionary atonement and then go out and give. you know, he's like, hey, look, man, I was lost, now I'm found. I was bound, now I'm freed. You got to get on this Jesus thing. So grow in your knowledge, but declare what you know. And third thing I'd add here is witnesses declare Well. We wanna be faithful in declaring the gospel, and there's a couple ways we wanna do that. First, we wanna declare it with care. 1 Peter 3, the verse that often people are excited about because it says we're always supposed to be ready to make a defense for anyone who asks us for the reason for our hope in God, right? We wanna make a defense. So often we get into like, oh yeah, that's right. We're gonna get, we'll you know load this puppy up with some tracks and Jesus videos and apologetics and put the armor on and get in the tank of apologetics and drive around and blast the gospel at people. And yet Peter says, yet do it with gentleness and respect, right? We undercut the message we're declaring if we're a jerk about it. That's all I'll say about that. Confidence. Okay, we want to declare it with care. We also want to declare it with confidence. The believers pray in Acts 4. When they're being threatened, they pray, Lord, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We are to boldly declare it, especially in our culture, which is becoming more and more hostile to anybody that says that they have the truth with a capital T. We are to gently, respectfully share who Jesus is and what he has done with boldness. And last, we are to declare it with care, with confidence, and with, I don't know how to say this, I needed another C, with craft right? With skill. We're to try to be good at declaring the gospel. There's this moment where you look in Acts and you see that Paul, based on who he's talking to, tries to make himself understandable for those people. So he speaks to a bunch of uneducated farmers and he starts his gospel presentation with, have you noticed the rain and the sun and kind of the natural uh, elements? And they're all farmers. So they're like, yes, we understand that. Okay. But he preaches in Athens, and what he says in Athens is, hey, I noticed that you have a statue that's to an unknown God. I'm gonna tell you about that God. All of a sudden, everybody in Athens is like, oh, really? Okay, sure, bring him over here. Right, he does it with skill. So we wanna grow in our ability to do this helpfully, compellingly. All right, fourth, that's what witnesses declare. Witnesses also demonstrate. I'm gonna read one story from Luke 19 that helps us get at this aspect of demonstration. In Luke 19, it's the story of Zacchaeus. So if you grew up in church, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. You remember all that, okay. The song's in your head now. You got who this guy is. He was a short guy. He climbed a tree. It was humorous. He's a joke. And yet, verse five, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. This guy who's a sinner, he's a joke, he's a spectacle. Jesus says, that that guy. And he knows, I'm going to make that guy a witness. Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Right, Zacchaeus' story, what he says and decides to do demonstrates the reality of who Jesus is. This notorious sinner, encounters Jesus and then he responds out of the overflow of his heart and that demonstrates who Jesus is. Uh, So first, he demonstrates who Jesus is, right? The character of Jesus is to be present more and more in the disciples of Jesus, right? As we're learning to follow Jesus in every area of life, as Jesus' image, as it were, becomes more and more clear through how we live, that points to him and the reality of him. Zacchaeus was once a greedy man, all of a sudden turned to generosity, That exchange doesn't happen apart from the good news of Jesus getting in and rearranging his heart. Then he demonstrates what Jesus has done. So what has Jesus done? Jesus has come to an unworthy sinner and has had mercy on him and given him better than he deserved, right? And so what does Zacchaeus do? Out of that, the overflow of his heart is, listen, if I've defrauded you, I'm not just going to pay back what I defrauded you. I'm not just going to give you interest. I'm going to give you four times whatever I took from you. And in fact, anything I have left, half of that is going to the poor. Did Jesus ask him for those things? Probably not. This was the overflow of his heart because Jesus had mercy on him, shown extravagant grace to him. His actions demonstrate extravagant grace to others. Hope in God, oh my soul. Strong and he's strong Open God He's a rock place He's a mighty
1: fortress. Thanks for joining us today for Better News Radio. Pastor Ricky has been sharing some thoughts on the important components that should be a part of any church's vision. These things are like the meat and potatoes of what a church stands on and incorporating these elements help a church grow and thrive. Like with anything that's growing, you need the proper nutrients to foster the ability to become stronger. Some of these nutrients are the willingness to know and share the gospel with others. This might seem intimidating to some, but be assured that no matter what your knowledge or experience is, as a Christian you are equipped to tell others about Jesus. If you're listening and are unsure what it means to be a Christian, that's okay. We're glad that you joined us today, and we hope that you'll continue to seek out a greater understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. On our website, betternewsradio.com, you'll find a variety of past teachings from Pastor Ricky. In addition to that, you can look at the welcome video from Pastor Ricky that explains more about the good news of Jesus Christ. All that and more is on our website. Again, that's betternewsradio.com. As we wrap up our time today, we want you to know that if you have any questions about this teaching or what it means to be a Christian, you can give us a call at 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. We hope that you'll tune in again to hear more from the Vision Series right here on Better News Radio.